Hello and welcome to Genetics Unzipped, the Genetics Society podcast with me, Dr Katani. In this episode, we're taking a trip to the zoo to find out how studying tumours across the animal kingdom, from naked mole rats to elephants, can reveal insights into cancer in our own species. In 2014, geneticists at the University of Kiel in Germany published a paper describing tumours in two different species of tiny freshwater hydra. Little more than a tube with tentacles, hydra comprise three distinct groups of stem cells. One of these groups, known as interstitial stem cells, turned out to be the source of the cancers, which severely impacted their growth and fertility. It's important to note that these tumours were entirely spontaneous. The researchers didn't use any techniques such as genetic modification or treatment with chemical agents to induce them. But while Hydra may be the simplest organism currently known to develop cancer, they are far from the only example outside our own species. Cancer has been found on virtually every branch of the tree of multicellular life, from the simplest to the most complex. Invasive cancer is medically defined by whether or not tumour cells have broken through the basement membrane that wraps around tissues and organs. Some types of organism don't have this barrier layer, yet can still be affected by cells multiplying out of control. For example, plants develop large growths known as galls usually the result of infection or parasitism. Tumour-like masses can be found in red algae, and invasive growths have been spotted in mushrooms, while simple moulds can start proliferating in abnormal ways that are similar to cancer. One recently published list of animals known to be affected by cancer stretches over more than 20 pages, including a lineup of marine creatures that reads like the menu from the world's weirdest sushi restaurant. There are cockles, clams, crabs, catfish, cavefish, cod, corals, and quahogs, damselfish, angelfish, jewelfish, and goldfish, smelt, salmon, sea bream, weedy sea dragons, and more. Curiously, Comb jellyfish and sponges seem to be remarkably resistant to cancer, with no known examples of tumours documented to date. One species of sponge, Tethia wilhelma, can withstand around a hundred times the dose of X-ray radiation that would kill a human, providing a fascinating model system for studying cancer resistance that could reveal clues to help our own species stave off the disease. Tumours turn up in frogs, toads and other amphibians and have been spotted in a range of reptiles such as snakes, turtles, tortoises and lizards. Cancers appear in many species of bird from parakeets to penguins, cockatoos to cassowaries, black-bellied whistling ducks and common or garden budgerigars. And then there's the curious case of a three-legged robin with a cancerous mass in its belly, which arrived in the possession of a Mr H.K. Cole of Chicago one day in 1919. And from aardwolf to zebra, our fellow mammals are also affected by all manner of cancers. Whales, wallabies, baboons, badgers, bongos and everything in between. These surveys of cancer across life have challenged the persistent but incorrect belief that sharks don't get cancer. 
Tumours have been spotted in multiple species of sharks, including the most notorious of the family, the great white. Regardless, this misconception has led to the needless slaughter of millions of sharks to make cartilage pills that are sold to desperate cancer patients, despite multiple clinical trials showing that they're ineffective. There's also evidence of cancer in animal species stretching back through the fossil record. In 2003, a research team visited the museums of North America with a portable X-ray machine, taking images of over 10,000 dinosaur bones and revealing signs of tumours in multiple individuals from the duck-billed hadrosaur family. In 2020, Canadian researchers published a diagnosis of osteosarcoma in a specimen of the fossilised herbivorous horned dinosaur Centrosaurus apertus, dating back around 75 million years. And there's even a likely tumour in the leg bone of an ancient stem turtle that last roamed the Triassic seas around 240 million years ago. The widespread existence of cancer across species and back through evolutionary time tells us that the development of cancer is inextricably linked to multicellular life. And if there's complex multicellular alien life out there in the universe, the odds are that most of those creatures will be susceptible to cancer too. If you have many cells in your body, whatever species you are, there is a chance that some of them will start rebelling against the rules of their cellular society and start heading along the road to cancer. Even though we can definitively say that cancer isn't a uniquely human disease, there is still a widely held assumption that the disease is more prevalent in our own species than in any other. Despite the challenges inherent in carrying out a comprehensive survey of cancer across the animal kingdom, the evidence we have so far suggests that this isn't the case, especially when you take unhealthy human habits such as smoking out of the equation. When comparing baseline cancer risk across species, humans fall somewhere in the middle. We're much less likely to get cancer in our lifetime than mice, but more susceptible than the giants of the mammalian world, such as elephants and whales. Something doesn't add up here. If cancer is an inevitable consequence of multicellular life, then it should follow that the more cells in an animal, the more likely it is to get cancer. Furthermore, this problem should be exacerbated in animals that live for a very long time, including humans. Yet, Based on the data we have, the chances of developing cancer as a function of body mass and lifespan are roughly the same across species. This observation that cancer risk doesn't track neatly with lifespan or size is known as Pito's paradox, named after Richard Pito, the British statistician who first noticed it back in the 1970s. In 2020, Dr Amy Boddy at the University of California, Santa Barbara, and her collaborators published further evidence supporting Pito's paradox in an impressive study looking at cancer incidents across 37 different mammalian species kept in captivity at the San Diego Zoo and Safari Park. Their findings show that there is no correlation between lifespan, body mass, and the prevalence of cancer across species. 
However, they did find that relatively short-lived species, like opossums and prairie dogs, that have large litters, are more likely to develop tumours than animals such as seals and elephants that live longer and have fewer young. This study, and others like it, reveal an evolutionary trade-off between growth, longevity and reproduction. There's a spectrum ranging from small mammals that live fast and die young, existing for just a few short years and producing as many offspring as possible, to slow burners that tend to grow large, live for decades and have smaller litters. Studying nature's slow burners is revealing intriguing insights as to how these species manage to stave off cancer for so long, which we might be able to turn to our own advantage. Perhaps the most famous example of a long-lived cancer-resistant mammal is the naked mole rat, a colony-dwelling rodent that can live for up to three decades and most closely resembles a wrinkly sausage with teeth. Although it's sometimes said that these creatures never get cancer, there have been a few documented cases in captive colonies. Yet the disease is unusually rare for a small rodent. The exact reasons for their remarkable cancer resistance are unknown and, in some cases, highly contentious. One idea is that the animal's low-calorie, low-temperature lifestyle reduces the production of damaging free radicals within their cells. Another explanation lies in altered levels of hormones and other molecules that drive cell growth, in their polyphenol-rich vegetarian diet, or in the highly unusual repertoire of immune cells found in naked mole rats compared with mice. Naked mole rat tissues make an unusually large and sticky version of hyaluronon, a kind of cellular glue that might reinforce contacts and communication between cells, preventing them from becoming cancerous. Cells from naked mole rats are also more resistant to stress and DNA damage than those from other small rodents, and are highly sensitive to contact inhibition, ceasing to proliferate if they become overcrowded. Other species have solved Pito's paradox in their own way. For example, capybaras have particularly vigilant immune cells that seek out and destroy rogue cells before they can grow into a tumour. And elephants have solved the problem in a different way, as we'll find out after the break. You're listening to Genetics Unzipped, the Genetics Society podcast. Find us online at geneticsunzipped.com and on Twitter at Genetics Unzip. And while you're at it, why not tell a friend so more people can discover and enjoy the show? many great scientific stories that start with a trip to the zoo, but this family outing certainly made a big impact on the world of cancer research, in more ways than one. In our previous story, we raised the issue of Pito's paradox, namely that we would expect large, long-lived animals that are made of lots of cells that have lots of opportunity to multiply to get more cancers than small animals, whereas in reality, 
the opposite is true. The story of one species' solution to the problem starts a few years back with Josh Schiffman, a children's cancer doctor working at the University of Utah. Some of the families that Josh and his team were caring for had a condition called Lee-Fraumeni syndrome, which is caused by an inherited alteration in a gene called TP53, sometimes known as the guardian of the genome. TP53 encodes a protein called P53, obviously enough, which helps to protect against cancer. When the DNA in cells gets damaged, P53 swings into action, triggering a cascade of events that either ends up in the cell repairing any damage to its DNA or dying through a process called apoptosis, a kind of cellular suicide, in order to protect the rest of the organism. We all have two copies of P53, one from mum and one from dad. But people with Lee-Fraumeni syndrome only have one functional copy, meaning that their cells struggle to repair DNA damage effectively. As a result, they have a very high risk of developing cancer, often starting at a young age and suffering from multiple different cancers over their lifetime. While Schiffman was working with these individuals whose lack of P53 led them to have an incredibly high chance of getting cancer, he started wondering what role P53 might be playing in species at the other end of the spectrum, namely those that didn't seem to get many cases of cancer at all. A few weeks later, he's visiting Utah's Hogel Zoo with his family, and they're checking out the elephant show. During the course of the demonstration, the elephant keepers explain that once a week at the zoo, they draw blood from the veins in the African elephant's ears to make sure that their charges are healthy. When Schiffman hears that, his ears instantly prick up. Immediately after the show, he heads over to the keepers and explains that he's a paediatric oncologist, but to bear with him. He tells them about Lee-Fraumeni syndrome and about Pito's paradox, and he says that he has a question. Intrigued, the elephant keeper says, Go ahead, we love questions. What's yours? And straight away, Schiffman replies, My question is, how can I get me some of that elephant blood? Several months of paperwork later, including scientific and ethical review, and Schiffman finally gets his hands on the prized elephant blood, rushing it back to the laboratory to try and understand why elephants don't get cancer. After carrying out genetic testing and experiments on elephant cells grown in the lab, they make an intriguing finding. Whereas humans have two copies of a single version of the TP53 gene, one from mum and one from dad, African elephants have a staggering 20 versions of the gene, making 40 copies in total. One version is the original, with the extra 19 having arisen as a result of genetic shenanigans sometime in the elephant's evolutionary history, with genes getting copied and pasted around the genome by accident. Looking more closely at the elephant cells, Schiffman and his team discovered that when the cells experience DNA damage, rather than stopping to repair it, the elephant cells rapidly underwent apoptosis far more frequently than human cells, preferring to die rather than try and fix the damage. This makes sense if you're an organism as big as an elephant. 
as Schiffman told me when I interviewed him about his work a few years back. Listen, it's so important that we don't develop cancer. We can't take any chances. If we stop the cell from dividing and we try to repair it, we might make a mistake and we might let a few of these mutations go on by and turn into cancer. But if we just kill the cell and get it over with, then there's no way that cell can go on and cause cancer. We're elephants, we have plenty more cells where that came from. We'll just start over. At the same time that Schiffman and his team published their findings in the Journal of the American Medical Association in October 2015, another team of scientists at the University of Chicago, led by Vincent Lynch, also published a paper showing exactly the same thing. Not one, but 20 different versions of TP53 in the African elephant genome. Intrigued by when this duplication might have happened, and if it had anything to do with the evolution of the elephant's mighty size, Lynch and his team compared the number of copies of TP53 in African and Asian elephants with DNA sequences from preserved remains of three long-gone giant elephant ancestors, the American mastodon, woolly mammoths, and Colombian mammoths. As might be expected, all these species had the regular TP53 gene, But while the African elephant had 19 extra versions, the Asian elephant had around 12 to 17, and their relatively recent relatives, the Colombian and woolly mammoth, boasted around 14 copies. However, there were just 3 to 8 in the American mastodon genome, a smaller species that lived around 50,000 to 130,000 years ago and split off from the ancestors of elephants roughly 25 million years ago. This is a pretty good indicator that being able to evolve an enormous body size, for elephants at least, is linked to having extra copies of TP53 in your genome. So far, so fascinating. But that's not the end of the story. A couple of years later, a graduate student in Lynch's lab, Juan Manuel Vasquez, discovered that elephants also have nine extra copies of another gene called LIF lurking in their genome. Like the extra copies of TP53, these bonus versions of LIF have ended up scattered through the elephant genome as a result of genetic copying and pasting sometime back in the evolutionary history of the species. In most cases, this has resulted in what's known as pseudogenes, so-called zombie genes that are effectively dead or dormant because they don't have the control switches around them necessary to turn them on and off. However, there was a notable exception. One of these nine extra LIF genes, known as LIF6, happened to have landed next to the on switch for another gene, allowing it to become activated again. Not only that, but the on switch is responsive to P53. So when a cell is damaged, P53 switches on LIF6 and triggers the cell's self-destruction pathway. Using genetic engineering techniques to knock out the LIF6 gene made the elephant cells less sensitive to DNA damage, although only slightly, suggesting that there are other cancer protection mechanisms at work in these gigantic animals. There's another final twist in this tale. 
while having extra copies of genes like TP53 and LIF seems to have been very useful for elephants in enabling them to grow large, live long and avoid cancer. It doesn't seem to be a mechanism that's used by other large long-lived animals, such as whales. Instead, it seems that each species has evolved to solve Pito's paradox in its own way. A menagerie of malignancy that we can learn from. Studying cancer and cancer resistance in other species allows us to open nature's toolbox, revealing the recipes and ingredients that have evolved over millions of years to produce different cancer defence mechanisms and modify risk. In turn, this helps us to gain deeper insights into the vulnerabilities in our own human cells and how we might, one day, overcome them. That's all for now. If you'd like to find out more about cancer across the animal kingdom and its evolutionary history, then check out my book, Rebel Cell, Cancer, Evolution and the Science of Life. Out now in paperback, ebook and audiobook, with signed copies and book plates available at rebelcellbook.com. We'll be back next time taking a look at whether our genetics can influence how our lives turn out. And what, if anything we should do with this kind of information. For more information about this podcast, including show notes, transcripts, links, references, music credits, and everything else, head over to geneticsunzip.com. You can find us on Twitter at geneticsunzip, and please do take a moment to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It does make a difference, and it does help more people discover the show. Genetics Unzipped is written and presented by me, Kat Arney. It's produced by First Create the Media for the Genetics Society, one of the oldest learned societies in the world dedicated to supporting and promoting the research, teaching and application of genetics. You can find out more and apply to join at genetics.org.uk. Our theme music was composed by Dan Pollard, our logo is designed by James Mayle, and audio production, as always, by Hannah Varrell. Thanks for listening, and until next time... Goodbye.